Kia ora. I'm Strawn from Commoners Communion. I'm a writer and a musician from Aotearoa, New Zealand. This is a prayer from Prayer Volume 2. You're tending to my ordinary self, daily making it something more exceptional in love. We're not waiting to be beautiful. We're made that way. Our very ordinary self, the self we sometimes get bored with, the self that carries all our faults, is the self that God lives in and fills today. Because he loves to. There is not a soul on earth not woven with deep and tender care. Every imperfection loved, every cell a poem from the mouth of divine creativity. We're not waiting for God to make us beautiful. He's waiting for us to see that we already are. One of the biggest transitions in my life of following Jesus was the transition from thinking I needed to wait to feel better or to be better or to have my life under more control to be indwelt permanently by God to the understanding that he dwells with me all the time anyway. And it changed everything. Because in one vision of that story... I'm waiting for my life to be extraordinary in order to commune with God permanently in union. And in the other story, I'm realizing that my life is coming into the formation of truth that I am already indwelt by God and that I am slowly unpacking and exploring that in my ordinary life. Divine infilling can look radically ordinary. Think of communion. Think of the Eucharist. The Eucharist is long historically considered the center point of Christian theology, the best Christology and pneumatology, our understanding of what it meant for Jesus to be 100% God and 100% man is manifested in the sacrament or the mystery of communion. In communion, we pray over the bread and wine and we say the prayers and all of a sudden this substance, bread and wine that is otherwise just so ordinary and mundane becomes deeply sacred. It becomes the real presence of God in some shape or form. And as we eat and participate in it, we are literally eating and participating in Christ. In the Eucharist, this Physical matter is transformed into holy matter, the blood and body of Jesus. In the Eucharist, we see this perfect theology and fulfillment of who Jesus really was. And it's hard to wrap our minds around because we tend to either go one direction or the other and we think that Jesus ultimately was just super guarding his whole life. And he was sort of a human, but really it was easier for him to sort of be sinless and do miracles and be kind and loving because he always had the big God card to pull. 
Or on the other hand, we seem to think that Jesus was just a man who was all about social reform and good theology and ideology and loving and restoration of relationships, but we de-emphasize the miraculous integration of God into his body that calls us to live in a divine way. But in the Eucharist, as we are meant to take it um, as a community regularly, weekly to participate in Christ's body, we see this combination of ordinary matter made sacred and holy. And we learn and we can look back at Jesus through that to see the mystery of the incarnation. Not that it makes perfect sense to our rational minds, but that it teaches us about what our lives are meant to be. As we participate in communion, the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Jesus, we see what incarnation really looks like. Ordinary stuff made sacred by the grace of God. So what does this have to do with this prayer about God making ordinary things beautiful and sacred? Well, because in the Eucharist, we're invited to look beyond superficial ideas of what spirituality may be. We're invited to see the world and Jesus and our ordinary lives as Eucharistic. In other words, we are to see this normal, everyday, ordinary matter that is our being and our lives and our just you kind of we look out and it just looks like nothing has changed. We are called to see these things as permanently sacred because they are now infilled by God. And that's what Pentecost is. Pentecost is the promise that Jesus and his Father dwelling together come and dwell in us. And that suddenly this body, which still feels painfully ordinary and mundane, is now radically transformed into something beautiful. The incarnation promises that ordinary things are transformed, not that they are removed. Pentecost and the indwelling of the Spirit shows that we become sacred, that God visits us and our ordinary matter suddenly becomes holy, not that we are to leave our ordinary matter in order to become holy, and there is a big difference. Because in one version of the gospel, we believe that we can only trust God's presence with us as long as we can feel it or as long as we're manifesting something extraordinary. That gospel will only lead to disappointment. Not because God doesn't do extraordinary things and because God do- we can't feel God and all of that, but because that is not the permanent place of the Christian walk. Because in this side of glory, we are still human, living in a broken world. And being human isn't a problem. It's a blessing because human beings are the host of God. But how do we define this a little bit further? In this prayer and contemplation, I'm suggesting that we are already beautiful, that we are made that way, that beauty, our beauty is something to accept, not earn or wait for. And how is that possible when we live in such a broken world and when you and I both know we can be very ugly? 
the way that we treat people, the way that we think of others, the way that we treat and think about ourselves. So what does it mean to say that we are already beautiful? Well, in Genesis, we read the creation account of God saying, let us make humankind in our image. And we read this interesting statement in Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The first important aspect of that statement is that we are made in God's image. And the fall, though it has corrupted that, never removed it. There is a beauty inherent within the human race because of God's permanent stamp upon us. Yes, it was marred by our decision to live for ourselves and to live permanently in a world that we have broken in a broken way. But our humanity is imaged after God, and that means a few things. And, and people have discussed in various different ways what it means to be imaged after God. And I think, personally, I don't think it's, it's one-dimensional. I think it's multi-dimensional. But here are a few things we know. One, we're made rational. And by rational, I mean with the ability to be self-aware, self-critical, self-conscious, and therefore to bring ourselves fully to communion with God. Secondly, we're made relational. We are invited to be in relationship with the Trinity in a way that is unique to every other created thing in humanity. We were created for the capacity to dwell in God's being. And we're creative. In Genesis, the first thing we see is God creating. And we're made in that image to create, and that's exemplified in our ability to procreate and make children, but it's also in our ability to create art and to make sense of the ethereal and to to make sense of our story that is unique to humanity. So those things we are imaged after, fall or not. So every human person on earth, no matter how evil we perceive them, carry the stamp of God's image. And it's our, our kind of adventure to discover and see that image in all people, whether we can imagine it or not. But there's a second important statement in here. It says, let us make them in our image and after our likeness. And the church fathers and mothers understood this this way, that all of us are made in God's image, but it's only by participating in God and by dwelling in him that we become more like him. And so the invitation of Christ is that we become, we start to look more and more like God, loving our neighbor, participating in creation in a righteous way, refusing the desires of our heart that are malformed and are selfish. We become more like that as we dwell in Jesus Christ. So we are all made in God's image, but we are not all living in the likeness of God. And that likeness is the never-ending invitation of Jesus. Our ordinary lives are beautiful because of our image. But in Christ, they are now sacramental. They're incarnational. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. He is not leaving. He is transforming us. And every invitation from Him to transformation that we say yes to is making us more and more in His likeness.
in the same way as we trust by mysterious grace that when we participate in the bread and the blood, we are in some way participating in the actual body and blood of Jesus and his real presence, though it is mystical and beyond us and we don't fully understand it. In that same way, we believe that we are that body and blood indwelt by Jesus being formed into his likeness, made in his image, already beautiful, being made more beautiful, already righteous, being made more righteous, already good, being made more good in the gospel and salvation of Jesus. And if God can take the most ordinary of things, the most common, a loaf of bread and wine, and make it the pinnacle of Christian theological experience, incarnational experience, then imagine what that says about our families, our flats, our friends. Think about what it says about our jobs, our waking, our sleeping. We don't need to leave our ordinary lives to discover God because God has come and dwelt within them. And so, may you learn to love your ordinary self, your today self, celebrating both the image of God's beauty in you right now and your exponential potential for greater shaping into love. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Commoners Communion Podcast. If you enjoyed this prayer and contemplation, you can find it in my book, Prayer Volume 2, at commonerscommunion.com. A huge thank you to Jonathan Class for helping to produce this episode and for writing, composing, and recording the music that you hear. If you like this music and you want to meditate and pray to it in your own space and time, you can find our first EP, Lords, on Spotify by searching Commoners Communion. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.